The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal that gives you more speed and control over the process. You can now disclose, lock, and manage your loan seamlessly from start to finish, all in one place. It's another reason why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. The mortgage industry is moving away from the traditional credit model as the only way to examine a borrower's credit profile, but what are some of the other ways to do that evaluation? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia from the Mortgage News Network. Today, I'm joined by Ashley Bell. He's founder and CEO of the newly launched Ready Life. Ashley, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be back with you. And I think before we really get into, you know, changing changing the credit model system and, and some of the, the, the goals you have, maybe we lay out a little bit about what Ready Life is. Talk to me about what you're doing and uh, the, the role you see Ready Life playing. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, Ready Life is a fintech platform. Uh, we're a bank in the box uh, sort of platform that has uh, a very strong and defined mission of helping close some of the gaps of wealth in our country uh, by digging deep into underserved communities and to uh, what we see is a $7.8 million market of people that uh, can't afford to pay a mortgage payment and live in a home, but they have credit challenges. Uh, and those credit challenges necessarily are not indicative of their ability to pay for a mortgage, uh, but just their inability to play and win the game of the three-digit credit scores. And so uh, that's our lean-in, why we reach out to people who are renters, who are in underserved communities, um, some people that are cash-rich, credit-poor, are people who just, um, you know, just haven't had the ability to get their credit score to a level that the banks would want to underwrite. Um, we think there's a different way we can go about that. But we're also uh, built on blockchain technology. We're Web3, you know, based platform as well. So the people that use our platform also will be the cutting edge of what we see as the future of payments um, so that people can pay uh, for the day-to-day needs. Um, they can use our Visa product. We have a Visa card, which is great. Or they have opportunity to use blockchain uh, real-time transactions, which is incredibly helpful for merchants and underserved communities because it saves them so much money. It's more secure. It moves money so much more quicker uh, than the old school interchange uh, capabilities. So we're old school in the sense that we're going after you know traditional folks that are looking to get access to a mortgage who want to use our banking products, our Visa products. But we're also helping that same community. The community is usually the last to catch on to the technology and benefit from it to bring that middle class into the future um, by introducing them to why blockchain technology can be so efficient, effective, um, and, and, and really uh, help keep a lot of that money that's escaping these communities in those communities by not shipping it out uh, unnecessarily through interchange fees. And that number just, was it 7.8 million or billion? 17.8 million Americans. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and 17.8. Yeah. And, and obviously we're talking about, you're talking about black, renters who are unable to buy homes. You, you mentioned the cash rich, uh, credit poor. Tell yeah. me, when you talk, describe the market so our listeners know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So, so that 17.8 million people is our, is our kind of target market. And those are people who are currently renting. 
that make above the median income for where they live and who have said they would purchase a home if it was not for challenges uh, around credit and some down payment. Now, out of that 17.8 million, uh, 51% of them are white Americans, 20% are black Americans, 18% are Latino or Hispanic, uh, and, and then there's a smattering of others. So, you know, Ready Life is black founded uh, by myself and the daughter of Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Bernice King, who also serves as CEO of the King Center. Um, and so Dr. King and I really understand that this will help out um, a very targeted community in ways that they desperately need, but will also be a product that will uplift a lot of communities uh, outside the Black community as well. Um, you know, there's still challenges equal to, or at least in the same vein of with women getting access to loans and access to credit um, that she really leans in on. And I think that uh, when you look at opportunities for, you know, how we look at mortgages, too many times our younger women are being told they got to wait till they get married, they got to wait to get out of school. Uh, all these things. We think that we can decrease the average age of the first time uh, woman homeowner and minority homeowner significantly by being able to show them a path that isn't directly tied uh, to those other markers in life that you can own a home way earlier. And I think that's so important because when you look at uh, specifically the African-American community, the average age of a first time homeowner is 48. Uh, and that 48 year old person purchases a 30 year fixed mortgage. And that means they're 78 before they pay it off, but the average lifespan of a black American is 75. Those numbers just don't add up. And they're not a, they're not putting us in a situation to create wealth. And so we think by leaning in to younger uh, audience uh, as well, that it's a lot easier to tell a college kid, look, you've been using Ready Life for the last three years of college, you've been paying your rent, uh, you get out, you get a job, and uh, now you're in a position to, to own a real home at 26 instead of 48. Um, and I think a lot of parents are really leaning into our product just by thinking like, wow, this can get my kids on a trajectory to do what they're going to do anyway, which is spend money, bank with somebody. But let me put them in a position to get ahead. And so we're really seeing a lot of traction with parents who want to see their kids do better. Um, and, and for the younger generation, they're more apt to uh, lean into banking uh, as a part of their culture and not just transactional. And so they like the fact that we're minority owned. They like the fact that we're conscious of the least, the last, and the left behind. But many times, a lot of our uh, you know target market is going to be people who just want to find a better way of getting access to credit. And that was something I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you are Black-founded. You even have uh, Bernice King uh, as, as part of this. I mean, just sort of the importance of doing things that that will build trust with, with your audience and with your intended customers, because uh, there can be skepticism of, yeah, we see the problems and we see where you're going, but we don't know if you're the ones to help us or if you're just trying to also take advantage of our situation, whether it's financial or otherwise, because that has happened obviously so much with, with um, uh, you know, black people in America, the importance of doing it in a way that they can trust. No, this is something that, you know, the company is looking to, to help me. Yeah. You know, um, that's a very deeply rooted question that I like to acknowledge for the historical relevance of it. So we understand why that's the case. Um, yeah, it doesn't help that there's some big bank with some big headline every couple of months saying they denied African-Americans the right to uh, credit or to own a home or devalue their house at, 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 at appraisal. Uh, all these things we read about today. So my generation and generation under me, and we, we read these headlines like it's 1969 sometimes, and it's, and it's still very pervasive. 
Um, but it all goes back to a very fundamental issue with how our country has viewed access to credit and people of color. Um, and if you look at the Freedmen's Bureau, which was the first bank ever created for African-Americans, it shut down in 1874 um, because it was a bank that lost over 60% of the black wealth because it wasn't managed correctly. And free slaves who had only been, slit, been free for three to four years put majority of black wealth in there and Congress closed it down uh, in, in 74 and we lost um, the vast majority of black wealth instantly only after being free for three years. At the moment we lost that, we were 0.9% of America's wealth. That was 1874, years 2022, and we're only 1.1% of America's wealth. The reason, if you look deeper into that, is because the very first bank that was allowed for people of color, it was illegal for that bank to extend credit. It could not extend credit because they knew that access to credit would be an uplifting uh, tool that could topple oppression and could topple a lot of things. As Dr. King said, um, they are inseparable twins of racial and economic injustice. You can't talk about racial injustice unless you also talk about economic injustice. And since the beginning of that fallacy of the Freedmen's Bureau, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, who's one of our great thinkers of our time and in, in our country's history, said it would have been better off. It would have been better off had African-Americans been slaves 10 more years than the psychological effect of having a bank take all of your money sanctioned by the government and what that would do to trust and in financial institutions for generations to come. And here we are. He was right. And so what you're talking about, what I'm talking about at the deep, deep root that's been around a long time. So it's important that people like Dr. King, myself, uh, Van Jones, we have leaders from sports and entertainment, uh, Montel Williams, um, the chief diversity officer of the National Football League, uh, Shaka King, who's a good brother who wrote uh, some very great movies about the experience, black experience in our country. All these folks are coming together for a reason. You know, this is a recognition that what we've been doing um, has gotten us where we are. And we still need to advocate for justice and create a better system, but we also have to innovate for justice as well and create new systems and new ways and new pathways for opportunity for ourselves um, at the same time. And that's what Ready Life is focused on. And and it's certainly a, a dramatic rethinking of how we look at someone's credit worthiness. Um, one of them, obviously, of course, being looking at at rental history as a as a replacement for for mortgage payments. Obviously, you can't get a mortgage if you're not seen as as credit worthy. Um, but just the broader issue of, of building credit for for black uh, home buyers want to want to be home buyers, um, particularly if you're if you're underserved or you're unbanked. Um, cause there are other ways of course, to, to build credit. Talk to me just about the broader issues that maybe, um, black customers might have in, in, in America in building credit. Yeah. I mean, the reason we focus on this, the way we do is, is, you know, it's just common sense, you know, and, and when I tell people how we underwrite and what we're thinking through, um, it's not rocket science. It's actually just makes sense. When you look at a credit score, one of the big things that holds a lot of African-Americans back is the, is the fact that our credit score system uh, collections doesn't really gauge, you know, what kind of collection. It's just a collection. And so you have many people who, you know, I mean, we're, we just got done with our holiday season and people are going to start buying gym memberships like crazy in January and they'll go to a gym for two or three months and that'll be it. And they probably sign a year contract and let's say they forget about it. And, and then they owe $10 a month. They don't pay because they don't go back. And now you get an $80 collection on your credit report. Now, an $80 credit report collection hits your credit the same way as an $8,000 credit 
credit on your report. So whether or not you forgot to go to the gym or you had a health scare, it hits you the exact same way. Now, what does that have to really say? If it takes off 20 points of your credit and you go from a 630 to a 610, now you cannot get a government loan, government guaranteed loan for your home. What sense does that make? When you probably were paying more in rent than you would be in a mortgage for the last 10 years. That's what makes our system so inequitable and makes it nonsensical, actually. So what we're asking is, well, if you pay $3,000 a month in rent, then we believe you can afford a $3,000 a month or less mortgage. So people pay their rent through our system. You use this as your bank in a box. You use this as your financial institution. You pay your rent through our system. We see that you pay it. We also know that you have income. So all we're saying is if you've been paying $3,000 a month for rent, then you can afford a $3,000 a month less mortgage. We'll backfill that with principal interest and insurance. And that's what our partnership with Figure Technologies is all about, is being able to take uh, the power of ready and our ability to go into the community and, and be able to assess people based on cash flow. Uh, figures, you know, tried and true payment system, as well as their lending apparatus. I mean, Figures one of the biggest HELOC operators in our country uh, right now doing hundreds of millions of dollars a month, even in a crazy market. Um, and, and we think that that partnership allows us to have the access to technology, the access to capital to really deliver a product that is for everybody. But yeah, it will lift up the least, the last, and the left behind. And when that happens, everybody will benefit. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And, and I certainly wanted to ask, you know, the, the response you're getting so far from the industry, obviously this is a, a fairly new launch, you know, it, it might be too early to, to, to sort of gauge the level of a success, but what mm -hmm. interest are you getting, you know, Fannie and Freddie, for example, have talked about the need to uh, re rethink how they do credit evaluations. The FHFA is going to be allowing multiple models. Uh, so there is certainly a, a broader thought in the industry that, yeah, we do need to get away from the traditional credit model as the only model. What are you hearing about Ready Life yeah. and, and what are people saying about you? Well, you know, uh, I think that what you're saying is exactly right. I think it it does help as we communicate with people the advantages of a different way of underwriting. Um, that all those markers from government agencies, quasi-government agencies and nonprofits, everybody's headed in this direction. We're just going directly to it instead of hitting a couple extra points to get to the exact same place. Um, I think it's an inevitability that we will be in a different way to underwriting. I think that you're seeing those signals come from inside and outside the government, people clamoring for a more sensible, sensical, uh, you know, reality of how uh, people who are working class can get access to owning a home. Um, and I think that, you know, we're seeing big interest from the banks, really. The banks really see this as, well, well you guys are going to go into places and create loan activity that we've had a hard time doing. So the banks have really leaned in to see if they can partner with us for CRA credits and buy some of this paper as our takeout, which is great for us because that, that's what helps us have, you know, a bigger capacity is that we get the data, work with figure to fund it, and then have banks that are lining up to say, look, we'll buy tranches of these of these loans. Um, and if we get CRA credit, great. But we also get to do some of the hard work that we haven't been able to figure out, which is how to do loans in these communities that are hard to reach, hard to serve. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're in a unique position. Um, I think the industry is leaning into this direction and I think we're just at the forefront of, uh, of doing it this way. And I think that what's different is that we're, we're focused on middle-class folks, everyday people. 
Um, and I think that you'll see competitors in this space, maybe try to attack it from the high end standpoint. Like how do we, how do millionaires get a chance to underwrite easier? And that's fine. You know, cause I think everybody's going to realize that there's a lot easier way of doing this, but our goal is on a population that, um, whether you are a single mother who just got divorced and your credit shot and you just don't want to spend fifty nine ninety nine on some credit repair service to try to get your credit score right. And you can just keep that money bank with us for free and, uh, and start building a credit history based off of how you spend your money and how you pay your rent on time. Um, or you're a high school student, uh, going to college and trying to figure out, well, where's the best banking option for me for my future. Um, and we offer an opportunity to build a history with us that can replace a credit score. Um, and I think for those people and, and everyone in between, um, if you want something uh, to change in our country when it comes to access to credit, you're going to have to build something new. And I think all the signs are showing that we're ready for this. Um, and I think Ready Life is just part of uh, the forefront of what is the future of lending in our country. And how are you how are you reaching out to you know some of those customers? You talked about the the single mother, the college student. Uh, how are you how are you finding mm -hmm. customers and clients? I know you've done some sponsorships with the HBCUs yeah. and sports, but what are you doing to sort of get your your word out there to the audience? Yeah, you know, um, we've got a great group of advisors that are just fantastic, you know, ambassadors. Um, I mean, our, our TV commercial had over a million views. Thanks in part to, you know, some celebrity help. I think, you know, Kim Kardashian didn't hurt. She tweeted out our commercial that that helped a lot. Uh, doing very targeted media in the spaces and places that our, our, our customers are. Uh, and you're right. Uh, we lean in strong to sports and entertainment. I've always had a, uh, a lean in there from a business standpoint. I'm a former lawyer, leaned in a lot to representing uh, banks and kind of sitting at the intersection of sports uh, and financial institutions. And so, we think that's an important market for us. Um, historically, black colleges are an important market for us. Um, you have generations of kids coming out of HBCUs that, um, you know, would never walk in a bank branch you know, if they can help it. If they can't get it on their phone, they don't want it. So it's a different, it's an easier market for us to say all these things can happen in your app versus um, telling someone that's, you know, 65 that all these things can happen and you're waiting to see what time the bank opens up and you're trying to make sure it's not a holiday and you get there before five o'clock and all these things. So, you know, we, we, we see a big market with the younger generation. Uh, but we also see the realities of people who want to start over, uh, people who used to own a home, but something happened. Maybe it was the great recession. Maybe it was just past COVID and you're looking for a quicker path back to being back to the normalcy and the quality of life that you want. And credit repair services are gouging people for unreliable results. And you're looking for a free way of getting to where you want to go. Um, you know, this is an alternative. How how long when you when somebody comes to you and, and they're going to open an account with you because, hey, this is this is a model that I think can get me to homeownership. What are you telling them? Like, this is how long you're going to have to rent for. This is how long you're going to have to essentially build a resume for. And I guess where I'm going with that is sort of how do we how do we measure success with Ready Life? You know, is there yeah. some, do do we think we can maybe start getting people into homes in six months or years? Or is we going to have to look maybe two, three years out? Yeah. You know, some of that is, you know, we look at the individual it is going to be based on the individual and some of that's going to be based on the marketplace. Right. So we first lean into the individual, uh, as far as the individual is concerned, you know, your ability to be, uh, ready for a mortgage with us is based on your spending and based on your ability to pay your rent on time. So, Let's give you an example. If someone gets paid on the first and the fifteenth of the month, right? And 
on the 14th, when you're direct deposit with us, uh, if you have $400 in your account um, and you consistently have some cushion between paychecks, um, that's going to read a lot better for us than someone that may have $4 in their account between paychecks, right? So the person with $4 in their account between paychecks is going to take a little longer with us to understand that they can manage their money in a way. Yes, they're paying it on time, but they are managing in a way that they're not living so much on the edge, right? And that's why financial literacy is such a big part of what we're going to be able to do is coaching people on how to manage money, explaining the benefits um, of being able to save and why having that cushion is important. And just having a friend in the neighborhood, uh, is what we call it, to just advise you on those things uh, personally and directly to you in a way that you can understand. Um, so that's that's important for us is to help people with cash flow because that's primarily what we're looking at, right? So we have to help people be better at that so we can show that they're saving and they're having that cushion to be able to afford the stresses that come with owning a home. We just don't want to get people a mortgage. We want to be successful at having a mortgage and being successful at being a homeowner. And that begins with making sure you understand that, you know, it's a big jump from going to rent to a home or homeowner because, you know, the refrigerator breaks, the furnace breaks, that's on you. Uh, you know, nobody's coming to fix it in the middle of the night, you know, because you said so, you got to pay them. And so we have to educate people to be ready for that so they can be successful. And so when we talk about mortgages for the individual, we're also going to bake into the cake some abilities that we saw work for COVID. Like it makes a lot of sense for us to tell people in the beginning, look, life happens as long as, you know, it, it, it when it comes to people of color, especially every time there's an economic downturn, uh, African-Americans and, and Latin, Latinos are the first to get fired and the last to get hired back when the economy comes back. That's still a reality that we can't solve for. But what we can do is say to those people when the economy turns and unfortunately these communities are the most vulnerable, then we should build in forbearances into your mortgage so that when you lose your job, if that happens, God forbid, that you have two or three forbearances that you automatically have built in that you can kick to the back of your mortgage to give you 30, 60, 90 days to get back on your feet. So we try to put people in a position to to be successful, understanding there are some realities with this world that we can't fix. But when they do happen, let's build in a safety net to make sure people are okay. Now, when it comes to, um, you know, the market, as far as who's who's available, you know, the market is not the best right now, but we believe that, you know, nine to 12 months is a good range for people to be in our program to feel uh, when you start seeing people feel, you know, like they're in a position to get a mortgage from us. And so hopefully in that time frame, we see a better marketplace with lower interest rates and and, uh, and lower home prices. So we feel good about 2023 because it gives us a chance to build and scale. Uh, and we think that we'll peak at the right time when the market's coming back. And we'll have um, an incredible amount of opportunity ahead of us to get that done. Yeah, absolutely. A dual path of getting them ready, waiting for the market to come down. And then as soon as the time is there, striking. That's right. Ashley, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thank you for having me. Have a blessed day. I appreciate you. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to sign up. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's your headlines for today, December 9th. Ashley just talked about the lack of trust black customers have in banking institutions. Well, today's news involving KeyBank won't help. The National Community Reinvestment Coalition is cutting ties with KeyBank, accusing the lender of redlining and denying loans to black borrowers. KeyBank had been part of the coalition, which tries to partner with community banks to funnel investments into underserved communities. 
but the NCRC says KeyBank ranked dead last among the top 50 lenders in 2021 at originating loans for black borrowers. Just 2% of KeyBank's loans went to black borrowers. In other news, some California MLOs are in line to get some extra pay. A federal court in California says PNZ Bank's compensation formula violates state law because originators don't clock out for lunch breaks. But the problem is, if they fail to meet certain sales thresholds, that rest period is included in calculations that result in pay being docked. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals this week upheld a lower court ruling that this scheme is not legal in California. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cotamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.